every day is not a gold star day and keep that in mind but it's the long game it's you're there for the long game business of architecture episode 191 hello i'm enix sears and this is the podcast for architects where you'll discover tips strategies and secrets for running a profitable and impactful architecture practice I'd like to invite you to discover how to double your architecture firm income and create your dream practice of freedom and impact by downloading my free four-part architecture firm profit map. As a podcast listener, you can get instant access by going to freearchitectgift.com. Today is the second part of my interview with Kenneth P. Baker, the co-managing principal of Gensler's Southeast Region. In addition to co-managing the Southeast Region and being on the Gensler Management Committee, Ken Baker is also considered a global expert in workplace design and planning, having designed more than 10 million square feet of corporate headquarters and offices for law firms and financial institutions around the world. And in fact, he still is involved in the design, some of the design projects in this area. Now, if Gensler Southeast Region were ranked separately from Gensler in terms of size, it would still be one of the 10 largest firms in the U.S., if not the world, just to give you an idea of the size and responsibility of this position. In today's episode, you'll discover the key to successful business development, how to maintain a firm culture that makes employees want to come back. Isn't that what we all want? Whether we're outsourcing or whether we're actually hiring employees and staff, having an organization that attracts the best talent is going to be one of the keys to your success. And lastly, but not least, the powerful, powerful insight that Ken shares when he talks about the advice he would give to his younger self. So without further ado, let's get down to business. What would you say is the key to business development? Successful. That's a great question. I'm only hesitating because there's so many things. I think, you know, I think at Gensler, you get asked to the dance, as we say, you get asked to interview, you're considered because they know we can do it. They know, you know, we have a good recognition on the streets in, you know, most cases. And I think where we've, where we missed up and done things that we haven't done at our best, we own up to it, we fix it and we go right in. But so you need that credibility on the street, but we get asked to the dance because of people understanding what we bring. But at the end of the day, it's, it, it really is about chemistry. You have to be the, the people that are hiring us for projects and, and new business are, they're looking at us saying, can I work with this guy for the next five years? Can I work with this team of people for the next five years? Do I like them? And so, yeah, you can bring the research manuals and the, and the work that we've done for other clients and the case studies and the benchmarking. But at the end of the day, they have to like, you know, the people that they're working with. A firm could walk in with all of those credentials and be, you know, arrogant and non-responsive. And, you know, people could say, well, they're clearly the best people to do the work. And I don't think I could work with them for five years. I don't think I could trust them with all my money to develop this project for me. Um, it doesn't get away from that, Enoch. It just does not. Uh, there's been things that we've lost, and people are, don't want to talk about the the chemistry issues. Be brief on something that we haven't lost, that we've lost, a new business opportunity. Our our leaders here that are involved are always going back and saying, you know, what was it? And you kind of have to read between the lines, and we'll go right there and say. 
did, did the team connect with you? Did you feel comfortable with the team? You know, and they, it's hard for people to say, no, I didn't, but you do get that. And we learn, we take those, those lessons learned back on board. You don't want to do it the next time around. So there's, from my experience, there's, there's the, uh, there's the natural tendency of chemistry, but then there's also things that a person can do to help facilitate that chemistry. And I know that you had John Livesey come in and speak about telling stories and being able to connect and present a little bit better. Uh, what would you say are some of the things that are in the power of someone to control when it comes to creating that chemistry? Listening to when they talk, answer the question that they ask, get to the point, you know, which I think, yeah, and but you know, in doing what you're doing, they'll ask a question, and I hope I'm always, you know, in this interview, I'm giving you the direct answer to the question. I may illustrate it a bit, but I'm always going going back to the point in those new business situations. I there's so many times we saw it in the elections. Look, it's like, you know, newscasters interviewing candidates for public office, and it's like, um, as one of the local newscaster uh, news people says. But that's great, but you didn't answer my question. And if somebody, if a client says that and we're sitting at the table at an interview, I'm just, I want to crawl under the table. It's like, get to the point. Answer their question. Have one person answer that question. So um, listen and don't talk about what you want to talk about, but answer their question. Let's, let's finish up here, Ken, by jumping into some of these, uh, the financial metrics that you look at in terms of helping these other offices that that you're supporting you know when you you talked about you're looking at the the financial metrics in your weekly call with them what are what are the KPIs the key performance indicators that you're always focused in on well i mean any business worth you know every business is talking about what the profitability of the of their operation is from from you know on we do it one week to the next and we roll it up at, on monthly for a big kind of meeting where we look at all of those financial metrics. Um, so profitability is one, but but granularly, we want to get involved in like how do we get to you know we all have budgets. We put out a budget, and we we've got to strive to meet that budget or exceed that budget. Um, we have goal. We have kind of. Uh, goals and objectives on our metrics so we look at we look at the building of new business what we call the backlog or the pipeline of new business and how far that extends out um, we look at our new business opportunities and how is this new opportunity they haven't made up their mind yet but are we over 80 percent sure we're going to get it that goes on a list that enables us to plan like staffing and on the staffing things, we look at productivity. We look at the productivity of all of our, our um, technical staff. We look at, you know, we have goals for productivity. You gotta, you can't only be client bill. We're in a uh, professional. We're a professional service firm, so we bill on. We bill services to clients based on time spent on projects. So that says two things. It says, are we, you know, we got to get the client work done. But at the same time, are we staying within the work plan for that particular project? And and importantly, are are we keep our people busy? You know, so there's there's a level that we want to keep them busy at that helps build our our you know our financial success. Then there's another one, AR, something you know, are we collecting the bills? You know, uh, we send invoices out every month. You know, we'd like to see payment within sixty days, but. 
Um, sometimes it's longer, and there's it, there's circumstances for that. But you got to stay on top of it. You got to do. The, you got to win the work. You got to do the work, and you got to send it out, get it built, and then you got to collect. You know, you got to invoice, and you got to collect the the money. Um, I would say the the kind of um, you know the last one is we look at a thing called held time, and that's time that we accrue on projects that we can't bill to a client. Naturally, we'd like to minimize that. But in some cases, when we're building a new relationship, held time is something that we really look at because it's kind of an investment we're making into relationship with the client or developing a new practice area. It's time that we're spending. We get benefit. There is an ROI around that. Like we're gaining new experience, we're gaining a bigger and better relationship with a particular client or in a particular practice area. That the ROI is is kind of the future investment of that of that money. We'll get back that money in other ways by getting new business in the future. What kind of things get dumped into the held time bucket? Well, it's time if your client says, "Hey." Um, I need my reception area redesigned and, you know, you got to oversee the building of it and all that. And we, here's, we develop the fee and, you know, we've got billable rates for our things. And if we go over, there's a work plan. So it says, uh, John Doe can work 60 hours a week on this project or whatever, or 40 hours a week or 20 hours a week. If we spend 40 on a 20 hour week, then that extra 20 hours goes into held time. And sometimes it's a conscious effort that we make to build that business other times it is you know it's taken a lot longer to get to the finish line and you're spending more time and you've got you have to honor your commitments you have to honor your contracts if clients change their mind and do different things the clients i'm working with they're like look Ken, i know we've we asked you to do this and then we changed our minds and we went back to this and we we changed the terms of the contract but that doesn't always happen that way either so but we, we've got to manage our i guess the point i'm making in any of those metrics we've got to manage ourselves We've got to be very professional and accountable to our clients. And if we give them a fee, we have to stand behind that fee. If they, if there's a fee and a clear outcome for that fee that the client is expecting, we have to get to that outcome. That's fantastic. What, what advice would you give to architects who want to flourish within an organization? Um, they have to, I think, Today, they have to be um, – it's, it's not a just about, in their own minds, developing their own career and their own – you know, getting to various titles and various levels of their career. You do that by servicing the needs of your client. Anybody here that's, that is client-focused and um, is achieving their client's needs is going to grow professionally. I would say the other things um, that we look at is um, involvement in the community, um, involvement in uh, new initiatives inside the firm or inside the profession, but professional organizations, stat, professional stature that's recognized in the community helps build careers, help, helps build reputations, and we get the benefit of it. We Those people growing professionally outside the firm. 
gets us more business, gets them, gets Gensler recognized in a whole different area. So um, I always tell people it's not, you know, it's not just about the tangible rewards about getting raises and bonuses and titles and things like that. It's like personal satisfaction from a client calling up and saying, um, this person really, and we get this, I, I, I love it. We get it every week of people calling me up, people I don't even know, clients that I haven't had interface with saying, I just need to tell you that this person really hit it out of the park for us. And we love this person. Do, do not take them off our project to put them on another, you know, we want them to come back next year and do this other work for us. That is a great thrilling moment. Mm. I believe that it's your 20-year anniversary at Gensler. Do I have the timeline correct? Uh, it, it'll be 21st year in February 17th, 21st year. So I'm in my 20th year. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, it's been, it's flown by so quickly, Enoch. It, it seems like yesterday I left Chicago in uh, the beginning of 96 after a, a very long career there. And I I guess I always thought I'd probably be in Chicago but it, I this I was recruited by Diane uh, for this office, and I joined Gensler and see the world. It took me to London. It's taken me to Asia. It's taken me to points you know far flung, and uh, I've gained so many international um, um, client relationships and local client relationships and global client relationships. It was a great decision to make, and I, I worked for good firms. I started working for Skidmore Owings and Merrill right out of college. I went from Skidmore to another great firm, Swanky Hidden Connell, Chicago, although they were a New York firm, and they're sadly no longer um, a, a firm. Uh, they've, they're not in business, but I w- came from Swanky to uh, another firm that Swanky, a guy took over that operation, stayed with him for a number of years, and then I went to work for Gensler, and I think, you know, all all of those firms, all of the firms I worked for, were great um, learning opportunities and really professionally well managed firms. I I will say bias. I drank the Kool Aid very early on. I think Gensler is the best managed. Um, I think we, I think we do it the right way. You know, there's a lot of great firms out there. We've got great competition, but I think we're you know, that 20 years just flew by because it's been, you know, there's been bumps in the road and, but we get through them and we still grow. We've grown. This office was, I was, it was under hundred people. I think it was like 70. I think I was employees of when, that when I joined and now we're over 400 and the firm's grown, grown to over 5,000. Now you've probably touched on this all through the entire interview. However, what would you say is the key? You, you said you really deeply feel that uh, Gensler is the best managed, and I wouldn't expect you to say anything else. If you did, I'd be a little concerned. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> However, what would you say from your perspective? What's the key to that? We have um, a set of guiding principles, and I won't recite them all. But one of them it, is it all begins and ends with our clients. There's the published. 10 kind of points of guiding principles that we've got that touch everything from um, people. It, it's all about our people. Um, you know, again, again, it's about good business practices and respect that we give. And it's, um, you know, design innovation, all of the above. But those guiding principles that um, is part of the DNA of Gensler culture 
is uh, something that we, you know, kind of put out there for people to read, but we expect them to practice by it too. I don't expect people to recite them. I can't recite them, but I, I do have a thing that I can refer to that shows all of those. And, and I don't hesitate to bring those out when a client's asking something similar. And, but the big one is, you know, it all begins and ends, you know, with our clients and the work that we're doing for clients. Well, and it's it's one thing to have guiding principles. I would say everyone has those, and the the rubber meets the road, of course, in the application and staying true to those. So, Practice how, how what do you, you preach? Yeah, yeah, how do you guys stay? What procedures or policies or culture do you have to make sure that that is foremost and it actually gets implemented? Well, we, um, you know, in building new business with new client relationships, people to. Uh, testify on our behalf and get, get case studies and proof statements from indiv- other individuals that hired us to do similar things. And we bring that knowledge, we bring the knowledge back from other client scenarios that we've had to help other clients. Obviously, we respect confidentiality and all of that. We don't name names, we don't give budgets, we don't, you know, we don't say how much this company spent on their space. But what we will do is is bring the lessons learned to all new client opportunities. And that's something, I mean, I do a lot of law firms and law firms are built, they they make decisions based on precedence. They always want to be the first to be second, you know? And so we can bring, you know, um, we can bring um, innovative techniques and, and uh, solutions to the next firm and say, this made this uh, uh, this client solution very successful. You may want to consider that in your in your uh, in yours. So I do think it's like the rubber hits the road with um, keeping your promises to clients. I, I mentioned a bit about the fees. If you give a fee, you stand by the fee. You don't bait and switch. You know, it's we promise people to projects. We assign a team. We a lot of those people are taken to an interview. You don't bait and switch the people. You keep those people on the team. If there are problems with the people, if there's personalities that don't quite work out, you make those changes right away. Again, we all want to be perfect. We all want to do great things. But there are bumps in the road. There are mistakes that are made. We're, we're people. People are doing the work. If we do make a mistake, it, own up to it and fix it and make make the client comfortable. And what what is Gensler doing to help the staff and the people that work at Gensler I'll be pointing in the same direction in terms of those core values that you mentioned. Oh gosh, we have lots of programs. We have these things called super meetings where we bring people from all of our offices or different themes. So we have 31 practice areas. So we'll have a super meeting um, as we just had about practice areas and about client relationships, which is another axis of the firm. We have a super meeting about offices, you know, uh, the things that offices deal with. And we have a super meeting about design and delivery where we bring our design talent, our uh, technical talent, and our, um, our you know, uh, management talent all together to share like processes. We've got uh, initiatives for every task force or for every practice area. Each practice area has initiatives that they're working on. And it's a one firm, firm philosophy. It's a global connectivity. We, we And, you know, another one of those tenants that we live by is that one firm firm philosophy we don't compete with each other we share the knowledge i think you may have heard um you know people know things about gensler we have a a call every monday morning in dc it starts at 11 o'clock it goes well 
hours and two and a half hours. But we start with Asia and we every office leader in the entire firm, 40 some offices, reports on um, the new business activities and wins. And that is done so everybody and jump in on that call and say, hey, wait, I know that person, or we did this for them, or whatever, or we may want to coordinate this effort because I know so-and-so that knows so-and-so, and that way we don't step on each other. And then the meeting minutes are published from that. Everybody reads it. We distribute it to our business leaders, and the office leaders are on the call, and we um, we help each other build the business. We do not compete with each other. And if you could go back sometime in the past and have a conversation with yourself, what advice would you give to your younger self? Um, don't think, don't take things personally. There's, um, you know, rewards and setbacks that you get in your career, but you have to, when you're working for an organization, a big organization, you there's decisions are made for many, many, many reasons. You have to kind of trust in the people that are running that business that you're part of, that they're making decisions based on um, building the business and, you know, help and helping to build people. But it, you're not always going to get your total, your expectations are not always going to be met, but you have to have the longer, it's a long game and you've got to keep that long game in mind. It's not just about, um, winning the next project or getting the next promotion or getting a bigger bonus or being recognized in some magazine or award. It's about what is the longer game, building the experience, building your client base, building, making your office successful. You're not always going to get, every day is not a gold star day and keep that in mind, but it's the long game. It's you're there for the long game. So sort of the, the idea that you might lose some battles, but ultimately, if you persevere, you're going to win the war. You'll win in other ways. Yeah. Yeah. And no matter where we are in that hierarchy of whatever firm you're with, who, uh, whatever firm you're with, there are going to be things that happen that you're not, you know, you're disappointed about. But ultimately, you know, it, you may be disappointed about this, but comes in another way because of that. So I've always, I guess what I would struggle with is we're all very um, ambitious and mobile, you know, upwardly mobile in our careers. I think, um, and we love to see people like that. We also have people that get to a certain level and that's where they want to stay. And that's fine. There's lots of people like that. We've got to understand and support people that want to do that. We've got to understand and support people that want to jump to the next level. But you always have to keep it in mind that there's, you know, there's reasons for things happening. And, you know, um, it's, we're, we're a firm that has a very strong one firm firm culture and we may not be right for everybody, but, um, big success rate with what we call boomerangs, uh, people that leave the firm for one reason, better opportunity, they grow, they come back. And that is the best testimonial to uh, Gensler's. We give, we give a, we, you know, every uh, December 15th, when we do the promotions, people that have come back to the firm after leaving get a boomerang. And it's inscribed, and some people have three boomerangs. So it's it's great. 
I'm just thinking because this, the primary audience here, Ken, of my podcast would be uh, younger professionals and also a lot of sole practitioners that have smaller firms. And um, a recurring theme, something that I've seen from the outside that Gensler seems to do very well, is this idea of, like you said, uh, people, the fact that people are coming back to Gensler shows mm-hmm. that you guys are doing something right with your culture. Mm-hmm. And you've touched on uh, helping people grow. You've touched on trusting them and that being is one of the keys. Is there anything else that you would like to that in terms of the secret sauce that you could recommend other people implement when they're thinking about creating a culture where people want to be at and where they can thrive? Um, I think, you know, I'm, I'm going back to your in smaller firms that are interested in this kind of dialogue. I would, I would say to them um, and younger, younger folks too, it is, no matter what's, you know, uh, no matter what's, you know, we're a big firm made up of block of much smaller business entities. Our building block for our firm is the studio in the DC officers, like nine studios or no, actually there's more than that now. Um, so each studio is, is more than just kind of a homeroom business is built in those studios and they are built um, as their own businesses within like the DC office or within the Baltimore office or within the Atlanta office. And that we look at their profitability and their AR and their held time and their all of those metrics and their promotions of people and their experts of people and their marketing experience and all of that. So I, I guess what I would say to them is um, big firm, small firm, you got to kind of approach it with um, you've got to approach the the parts and pieces of your firm with a small firm mentality and kind of a introspection on what are the what what are the building blocks of that. But you also have to bring that together with an overarching um, dialogue and a sensibility about um, how you bring all of those parts and pieces together to grow. I would also um, answer the question in a little bit different way. Um, I think you know we were a small when I joined the firm in 96, this region is was bigger than, um, well, our region right now is bigger than the entire firm at Gensler was in 96. I'll say that. So that's been 100 people. So when I joined in like 96, there was like 700 people. And getting to 1,000 was a big benchmark and getting to 2,000. And, you know, it's it's a relative scalable discussion, but because of our studio makeup being the building blocks, we do approach our offices. People don't feel like they're lost in a big um, mixing bowl or a big sea of individuals. I think we really focus on the individual. Our, our, I, what I would put out there is like you, we do a, we call it PDPs and it happens once a year and then there's a touch base. And, and that's, those are your reviews. Our reviews are not uh, performance reviews. They're not done. If, if there's been issues with an individual we don't save all those little things up and say, okay, you came in late three weeks ago and that was bad. And, you know, we deal with those things as they occur. Those discussing what they've accomplished and talking about goals for the next year and talking about lessons learned. We develop goals jointly with those individuals. And then we say, how can we help you? You've got to do certain things to attain those goals 
and 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 get to the finish line on that. And we've got to do certain things. And what is the agreement between us? And it's all written down. And when we do the touchback six minutes later, we're kind of, which we're in the process of doing now. We're going. You know, you've done this, and you know I don't usually have to read it on a piece of paper. I can see it. Um, I can see it. So I'm doing those PDPs with the office leaders and the principals. There's studio leaders who are doing it with everybody in their in their in their studios. Design leaders are doing it with the designers of the firm, talking about what was successful with design, successful with technical. How did you innovate these projects? So you're 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 mentored and and um, you know, looked at from a number of different through a number of different lenses, all towards success. But the point of it is individual. Um, focus on the individual and how the individual fits into the studio and how the studio fits into the office and how the office fits into the region and the regions fit together. So it's kind of this. I think that, yeah, I think that's very, very clear. Thank you for uh, thank you for making that explanation about how the people structure works. I'm curious how the financial structure works in terms of the money that gets billed. Does it get put into a central pot? Is it is it kept in the local offices? Can you give me an overview of how the money flows and then flows back? Well, we're a one firm firm, so eventually the money all goes the money all goes to the same place. It all goes to the firm and. We, we, the region, the studios, the offices, the regions, we keep metrics for all of those. So, yeah, I can see, you know, um, our, our DC office has metrics at the end of the day. And we look at, you know, I look at all eight offices in our region and that adding all that up gives me the regional total. Firm adds up all the regions and that's what it is. But it all goes, it's all the profit goes to the same bottom line and you know, yes, we, we. You have to look at it. You have to break it down, so you know where, you know, where the money's coming from, where the issues are coming from, what the growth factors are, et cetera. But it all goes to the same place, and it's that's what makes it good. That's I, you know, it's not this other. There are other firms that um, keep totally separate, separate entities, and. It fosters a different kind of competition. Uh, we're naturally, I think, we're all competitive, and you want to see your region do really well, and you're responsible for your region doing well. But, but when we reward people here, we reward them based on the fact that the firm did well, the region did well, your office did well, you did well, your studio did well, and your clients are happy, and you're you're doing all these things to help build the business. One firm, firm. That is awesome. Ken, I'd like to finish up here with one last question. Just in your own life, what is something right now that has you excited the next stage of growth or learning? What are you learning and growing and maybe even struggling with right now in your life to get to the kind of the next level? And it could be anything. It could be personal. It could be career. Um, well, I'm 58 right now. And so I guess you know, people start to think about retirement when, you know, it's 65 or whatever. I keep joking that I think they're going to have to burn the building down around me, but, um, uh, to get me out of it, I, I, you know, I want to stay working and stay vital and work with clients and people as long as, you know, I can, I, I, I love coming to the office every day. I love the interaction with the clients and, and the people in our office. And it's, that's, that's part of my DNA and I'm single. So, you know, my off the office, I've got friendships here. I've got, you know, but I also have outside activities. I have things 
place that I want to retire to. But I think what one of the things that I'm um, kind of thinking about right now is um, my partner, Jordan Goldstein, who's co-manages a region with me and myself, have a master plan for our region. We are always looking for replacements for ourselves. If I work, say I work till 70, I'm not going to stay in this role till I'm 70. There will be a certain point that I'll morph out of the role because somebody else has to get the keys to the car. Somebody else, and I've got to, we've got to, I've got to help groom that person and I've got to bring them up to do to, to that level of leadership to be handing the keys to the car over to that individual. Um, my partner Jordan is younger than me, so he's got a little bit more longevity than I do. Um, and but you know I'm not going to fade away. But it's this constant like look into the next generation um, to replace us and you know and build build that firm. You know and but you know it's what am I going to do? Um, I'm really into furniture design. I helped build that practice area. And my own, I guess my own plan would be someday I would hope that being a passion that maybe if I'm not leading an office, maybe I just focus full time on um, product design, you know, and that's, I go back to that design, um, t- that design uh, capability that I've got and, and make that the focus of, of some growth and profitability for the firm as well and enjoyment for myself. Mm. There's there's one additional question that I think I neglected to ask, but it regards the structure because I've I, every time I hear you talking about the the different regions, you talk about co-managers. Is every region co-managed? Are there always? We like to see co-managers in every region. Yes, um, all the regions don't have co-managers right at the moment, but that is a that's something that the firm moves towards. And in fact, we even it's kind of a model that we really like in the offices, even though the we've got even our smaller offices like um office we don't have co-managers directors of that office yet we've got one but miami is the next um office that we you know the the um the next newest offices and we just made a co-manager there this year so i it's it's great to have a partner in running the business and that's how we feel you know um and there's so many things that we expect of our office leaders and our regional leaders that you really have to have two people to do it. Diane and I ran this region together when she became, um, when when her CEO um, requirements w- um, drew more time, we needed to be focused on who was going to partner with me. I got Jordan, which was great. And um, because there is so much to do, especially with an office with eight regions or eight offices, a region with eight offices, excuse me. So yes, co co, and then you have a partner. It's you know, you're not kind of out there on your own. You you've got somebody to bounce it back. Uh, and just to add one more illustrative point to it, we're not all doing the same thing. So Jordan and I aren't in those roles to sit and make code decisions on everything. You know, there are trust me points that we give each other. He's focused on the design and delivery leadership across our region. I am focused on client relationships across the region. He may be focused on some other initiatives with technology. I'm focused on maybe some other initiatives regarding um, financial um, building and hiring and mentoring. So it, you really need, there's so much stuff to do to build a successful practice that you need a partner. Is there some question that I, that I should have asked you? Can you thinking in their head, man, I wish Enoch would have touched on this or here's, here's something that, that is kind of a passion of mine. 
Uh, maybe what what is it that would give me the most professional satisfaction at the end of the day? Um, two things, and I, I said it in a roundabout way earlier, and that's seeing young people grow into really great, you know, um, recognized leaders in their profession and, you know, in the world. And the second thing is the relationship I get with my clients. And that means I've had this client, Sidley Austin, for 20 years. If if they were to decide tomorrow that they didn't want to work with us, that would be that would be tough for me. I would say what, you know, I could have been doing something better, but the fact that, and, and just because I've been doing it for 20 years doesn't mean that it's going to continue. It's hard work every week on top of running the region to keep that, to keep that situation in a really good place. But at the end of the day, I have great personal satisfaction that I, I, those people are friends of mine. I mean, we can, we can look at each other. I was in a meeting the other day with them in Chicago saying, um, look, we can, we were talking to another group of people and we said, look, we've been doing this for 20 years, but if I did something wrong, they can tell me and I can, you know, or if I, if they, if they're doing something wrong that I think they're not allowing us to serve them the right way, I can tell them that. And nobody's, nobody's like, getting offended or defensive about it. We can talk very plainly. But that respect that you get is something that I value and validates my professional um, life, really. Thank you so much. So today we've been talking with uh, Mr. Kenneth Baker. Ken, good talking with you today. He's the co-managing principal of Gensler's South Southeast Region. Thanks again. Enoch, Enoch, thank you. It was great talking with you. And that is a wrap. Thank you for listening today. If you're looking for more time, freedom, impact, and income as an architect, get instant access to my free four-part architect profit map by visiting freearchitectgift.com. The sponsor for today's show is ArchReach, the client relationship management tool built specifically for architects. If you want to systematize your marketing and business development, ArchReach will help you do it. Visit archreach.com to learn more. expressed on the show by my guests do not represent those of the host and I make no representation, promise, guarantee, pledge, warranty, contract, bond, or commitment except to help you conquer the world.